Okay, with Amy Miller, the director of Manufacturing the Threat. It's a feature film played at Documentary Film Festival. This is a this is kind of an intense, interesting film. Uh, I don't. I can. I can come up with my own kind of summary of what the film is about. But do you want to just tell, give it like a quick uh, summary to to people so there's context of what what this feature film is about? Yeah, sure. So essentially, manufacturing the threat is a deep dive into how the RCMP and CSIS, which is Canada's secret police are willing to go to any length to control the narrative around terrorism, even to the point of creating it themselves to justify fighting it. And the way the film explores this is through the case of Omar Nuttall and Anna Corady, which is who are a couple in British Columbia who were entrapped by the, the secret police into believing that they had joined a, a jihadist movement and that if they hadn't put uh, a bomb on the BC legislator that they would essentially uh, be harmed. Um, so they feared for their life, but all along it was uh, you know essentially a ruse by the secret police to entrap them. There was no actual terrorist organization, but they genuinely believed that because the police had led them to think that that was the case. And so the film follows that case, which is the case law in Canadian uh, legal uh, precedent around entrapment. And it looks to, historically at all the public records we have of different cases where the use of entrapment, agent provocateurs and infiltration has been used um, to target different communities, all the while under this uh, auspice of national security. So that sounds very 1984, like the the book, like it's like kind of like, or it's, it also sounds like this is this is like wouldn't take place. <laughs> like like if you if you told me on the street, say we met at a party or something like that, you told me this story. I'm I maybe I'm a rube or whatever. I just I wouldn't believe it because I would have more optimism towards the Canadian system. But yeah, after that's what, the reason why I wanted to make this film is because. Yeah. I think Canadians take on a very benevolent attitude where we say, oh, no, that's the big bad Americans, the CIA yeah. and the FBI. They do that, but not us, not here. And so it was really important to have a film because there had been no documentary that touched on this subject uh, that really explored how, yes, this happens here in Canada and our secret police are really no different than uh, than that in, say, the States or other parts of the world. Yeah, other parts of the world. So, but it's like it's just it's manufactured. Like it's sorry, pardon the pun. It's manufacturing. I was just about to say your title, your film. Yeah, manufacturing, manufacturing the, the the threat, and it's manipulating situations and using these people because they're vulnerable because they they're not they're not like natural like meaning citizens. They're they're immigrants, so they can they can be taken advantage of because there is that kind of fear aspect. Because like you, someone like you or and I, it's like we have a certain kind of. Like it, we're less vulnerable to be taken advantage of, I guess. That's the best way to exactly. put it. Exactly. Like Canada is definitely based in a white supremacy, colonialist uh, yeah. history. So we, it's not surprising that 20 years after 9-11, Islamophobia and racism around Muslim people continues to kind of be the go-to attitude to say, well, who are the big scary guys? You know, Muslims. Uh, that's been used since 9-11. And so... 
you know, that that that's why these people had been targeted. It, it fit the narrative that continues to be the narrative right now on who are the threats uh, to national security, while completely eliminating the fact that if you look at who, where the most um, deaths have happened, where the most murders have happened, it's been by far right white supremacist crimes mm-hmm. towards uh, people of color. The most terrorism has has occurred in the exactly. last 20 years by by white supremacists but exactly but, exactly but that's not the narrative that we hear or that that we're fed right it doesn't well, it's also not the do. yeah it, it's the the journalists have a responsibility too and it seems like in a general sense canadian journalists kind of don't really talk about this stuff very often i guess right in a general sense I mean, establishment and institution works together and we're, we're, you know, no one wants to speak out because no one wants to lose their job. No one wants to lose their pension, the economic crisis. So everyone starts to be very individualistic and thinking me, 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 and I don't want to stick my neck out. It takes a lot of courage to speak out against the the system. And so I, I felt a responsibility that it was important to bring a film that was willing to speak out against CSIS and the RCMP and lay it out in terms of what we do know. Unfortunately, Canada has such a a very tight um, system in terms of access to information. It's actually very inaccessible. There's such a lack of transparency that there's so many other stories and cases that we'll just never know about. Yeah. Unless That's- criminal charges are brought enough, unless p- the evidence comes out uh, during a court case, essentially we don't hear about it. Well, that's sort of what the point is. It's, it's the fifth estate, meaning that it's the journalist's responsibility. That's what their job is, right? So, but then now we, this is a whole other topic, but now we live in a time where like it's become, it's about making money through journalism, right? So basically this story probably won't make money for people. So they don't do it, I guess. Or, or maybe not even making money, but just managing to keep your job, right? Yeah, because guess. you want your editor to approve your story. Your editor is going to cocktail parties with heads of police and chiefs and what have you in terms of the establishment class, right? Yeah. And the state and the media and corporate media and the police forces have been working in tangent since since day one. Yeah. And then it becomes it's like this is the this is important medium how you just how you told the story because if you do like a blog post or or kind of like under undercover <laughs> underground journalism it's just it's just it's there's so much noise out there that and there's so much bad there's so much fake stories that it can just get caught up in that kind of that storm where you're making this documentary you're spending a year a couple years of your life you're telling this cohesive story you're trying not make a propaganda piece you're trying to tell. You're telling how the characters, the, the the people in your film, tell the story, not you as as a, as a documentarian. Like you're, you know, sometimes there's you're sure, you're, sure. you're adding the narrative. You're not yeah. adding the narrative. You're letting these people tell the story. I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, we're in a funny time now, where in terms of what is viewed as a conspiracy theory and what is not, and what are what do we understand as so-called facts and what we understand as so-called fake news, and that language being thrown around all the time. I find it surprising where it's like, hey, you know, is our secret police in Canada, you know, doing and using entrapment so that they can raise their their budgets so that they can justify uh, continuing to have higher budgets all under this argument of fighting national security that that is a public 
you know, open conspiracy, right? You don't actually have to dig very far where we know that there are interests of people who who want the system to stay as it is. So it's very it's very interesting to release a film in this time now where anything critical from both sides, whether it's the extreme left or extreme right, as you, as you will, is being deemed as a conspiracy theory where it's just like, hey, it's not a conspiracy to acknowledge the fact that there is actually certain people who you know, dictate and control much of uh, the day to day for for so many of us. Yeah, well, the 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 the, the great like that that's almost like we need like it's um we need like a long range kind of journalistic kind of approach to it. And I'm giving you your film kind of that kind of uh, justice, meaning that you can't just tell a story about it. You can't write a blog post about it. You need a whole kind of long stretched out kind of version so people can kind of pay attention that it's not a conspiracy theory because there's you're basically telling something in 90 minutes that all the facts that, that in the film, not just kind of like a, a 40, 40 like word kind of blog post about something. Absolutely. Guess, right? Yeah. All right. So tell me about how this, this film came about. Like where, where were you? Like, did, did you meet the, these people, these people first? Like how, how did the, the wheels get in motion for making sure. this so there's a book that Alex Popovich wrote called in French called Traduire la Menace that is just, you know, uh, fact-based exclusively where he has sourced from over a thousand uh, resources, media, public media sources that he could find and all the access to information requests that he did of every case he could document. And, but there was no secondary sources. There was no analysis. There was no, I guess, uh, specialists who spoke on the subject. And I read the book and I said, you know, this, this, topic requires a documentary and a feature film. So the best way to do that is to speak to the people individually impacted. So I sought out different uh, people from the different examples he provided to see who would be willing to participate in the film. And I was so lucky that Anna and Omar um, agreed to participate. And so that made the basis of the, the film using their case, which is also the most instrumental in Canadian case law. So it made sense. And then it was a matter of me doing more research on finding who would make sense as um, as analysts and specialists who who deal with these subjects to provide context. So yeah, you so you have the subjects, the emotional story, the the, and then you have context in terms of the interview subjects and the people who are professionals who can kind of add kind of expert their expertise to it. That's sort exactly. of the structure of your film, I guess, right? Exactly. So what motivated them? Because it, it would be scary for them to, I, I, one would assume, to even be a part of this film. So what motivated them to, this, this your subjects to to do this film for you? Well, I mean, my okay. subjects have gone through a lot, right? They had been in prison for years. They did have to go through a big appeal process. You know, these these are people who have really gone through the ringer in terms of uh, national security, and no one's told their story. Everyone talked about how they were terrorists when they were arrested, but no one ever gave the, the story about how actually it was entrapment. It was a blip in the news radar when they were released and it was through the appeal process of entrapment. So, you know, for someone to come along and say, wait a minute. And if you look at the, the different type of films I've made in the past, it was easy for me to present myself and say, wait a minute, the type of films I make are critical analytical films that deal with big broad uh, based subjects where I'm, I'm bringing a thrust of popular education to engage people around these big type of themes. And they could see that. And they could see in the type of films I've made that that's what I do. And they understood what I was trying to do with different conversations we had about what was the goals of the film. So 
I, I think they wanted to feel a bit vindicated and feel like, wait a minute, there is at least some document that exists uh, that gives their side of the story and how they lived it. And, and, and I think the film will have staying power because of the uniqueness uh, of the topic in terms of no one else has done it. And I don't think anyone will be doing it anytime soon. And uh, it's a big subject that whether you're in criminology or law or political science or sociology or geography or history, these are big themes that people find interesting and um, are, are learn, learn something from the film. So uh, I think that was all motivation on why they would participate. And what when they like when they saw the film for the first time, what was their reaction to when they saw it? Yeah, I don't think they've actually seen the film. We've been in contact, uh, you know, since the film came out, and I, I don't think they're comfortable with watching themselves on screen. And their lawyer has vetted the film and given okay, that's yeah. Credit. You want and to make sure that they were comfortable with the film, I guess. Before exactly, you... and they are very comfortable, and they stand behind it, and they're very grateful for for the film. But uh, you know, it's just it is literally too close to home for them that they don't need to relive that experience and relive hearing uh, their story, but they are very happy that it exists. But the lawyer is happy with it. I guess. Absolutely. Okay. That's, I just want to make sure that they're okay with everything that you're like. 100%. So, yeah. And I, I think the film really does justice to, as you put it, you know, giving their point of view and letting them tell their story. Yeah. And but at the same time, like from just from a filmmaking standpoint, this is a really well edited piece of uh, uh, this is a nicely put together film. So you. obviously, you know what you're doing. And Thank even you. in the beginning sequence, like you have this nice little montage in the beginning where like yeah. you kind of you put it all together and it's like Edited. really nicely put together. Thank uh, you. And do you I obviously you, you must have used some stock footage and kind of like how was that yeah. process kind of like putting this film together using their story? The interviews plus some stock footage it seems like a pretty pretty intense edit yeah i i mean it's always that tricky thing where you don't know how the film will go until you know how much financing you have and with okay. this film it was very difficult to finance unfortunately no canadian broadcaster wanted to come on board so there was a lot of personal which tells you a lot i guess right i mean it is what it is uh, there we could have a big discussion on that as well, right? Where it's just like there's lots of documentaries. Is there spots for all of them? They don't need to say it's what reason it is. And there's a lot of good documentaries that are not controversial that don't yeah. get broadcasters. So what why didn't they say like my film? Hey, there was a lot of films coming out this year after COVID, more than any other year previously. So many films were held back. So I'm not going to say, oh, it was censorship or, oh, it was because they were afraid to tell the subject. I do have a track record of making very well put together films that people appreciate. So it is interesting that they overlooked this film, but it is what it is. I can't speak on their behalf. Uh, but needless to say, it meant that we were not well financed. We were barely financed. This it, it, Essentially, it was a return to making my first film where it was all sweat and passion and blood and volunteer rather than <laughs> making a yeah. living, uh, which is not how you want your career trajectory to go. But I was very committed to finishing this film and I, I'm very glad that I did. But it meant that it was a it was a smaller budget than the film deserved to have. And that meant that we couldn't do as many days of shooting as we wanted. And so we had to rely on some stock footage uh, more than I would have liked uh, with this film. Yeah, but it works, though. 
it works. Yeah. It works. But you know, you want to, you want to film your film. You don't want to have to rely on stock footage. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to sometimes though. You do what you need to do. Yeah. hundred percent. But yeah, but I, I, there's the arguments to that side, but sometimes like when you have this limited budget, it's a cliche, but it, it adds to your creativity. It makes you, it forces you to like, it puts you in a corner. It forces you to kind of create and figure it all out, I guess. 100%. Yeah. So, but I, at the same time, I understand you probably want more money. You want more. It's more about backing too. You want some, you want um, someone behind you to back this film up. So then you have security, I guess, too, right? Yeah. And I mean, we're very lucky that as soon as the film was done, Al Jazeera purchased the film. So we know that the eyeballs are there. It's been getting into a lot of film festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of festivals, particularly in Canada, that overlooked it. And again, there's a lot of films coming out this year. But there's also the dynamic of film festivals have funders and sponsors, yeah. and maybe they don't want to make waves. It's not a topic that everyone is willing to stick their neck out and have discussions around or or program when you're speaking out against the Canadian state and the police forces, the yeah. main national police forces in Canada. So, Okay, so I, I probably watch maybe a thousand document i watch a lot of documentaries a year so i i, I think i like to think i'm I, I i i'm in a pretty elite corner here this yeah. film's pretty great this film's great and meaning yeah. that i've seen a lot of the films that get the submitted to hot docs which is a big festival in canada it's like this is a no-brainer acceptance so the only reason they wouldn't from i'm just from from the structure from the editing from the pacing just from a filmmaking standpoint telling the story emotionally engaging the audience just from a structural standpoint right so the only reason they wouldn't accept it if you want to get go there is because of the subject matter that's the only reason why they wouldn't accept it well i appreciate <laughs> your confidence that it's just a, a question of no i'm letting you know cuz i'm one of i'm probably one of like 10 people in the world who probably watches as many documentaries I, I have yeah, you watch a lot of documentaries. I can't speak on behalf of the programmers. Yeah. I, I mean, I I I try to remain very graceful and open to the fact that there's a lot of good films and it's tough programming decisions. I'm always yeah, but you know that's a that's a nice diplomatic answer, but you know. <laughs> I'm speaking for you, basically what I mean, I'm trying to say. Yeah. We 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 we've been really struggling to get any screenings in Toronto, and it's unfortunate, especially considering that there's the Ted Rogers cinema that is exclusively in documentaries and you know, they're not programming the film. It's, it is one of those things. I'm, I'm very happy. We had a week in Saskatoon uh, at an independent theater there recently. We did three weeks in Montreal and we're about to on the 15th, start a week run in Vancouver at the VIF center. Uh, So if you have any listeners in Vancouver, it'll be starting on the 15th uh, of October and running for a week. So we're doing what we can. We keep on pushing. We keep on circling back uh, to different theaters and to the Canadian broadcasters saying, hey, we won another award or, you know, we just did another week in, an, in another cinema and it did really well. But I don't understand the choices that programmers make, whether it be through TV licenses or whether it be for programmers. I just have to not let it bring me down because... There's been no, a lot no, of that's what I'm saying. That's you. It's nothing. You you've done nothing wrong. Basically, what I'm trying to say, and and it's like yeah. There's there's advertising, uh, and it's like it gets it. It can get lumped into the. I watch your film, and I'm like, I'm I was skeptical, right? Because it's like, oh, is it a propaganda piece? Because trust me, 
you get a lot of propaganda movies, right? Yeah. And then it's like, and then you're feeling it's like from a from a film state making standpoint, it's it's solid. So, but then you're like, okay, what are they doing here? Is this going to be? Is this propaganda? You know what I mean? And 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 basically, but no, it's like you're kind of telling all the sides of the story. And that's another question too. It's like people have to watch your film all the way through, right? So they to, to totally understand where you're coming from. They just can't watch the first ten minutes, and they you know what I'm trying to say? Like they have to see it to understand what you're trying to say so sure I, I and i mean this is the dynamic of long-form documentary sure. uh you can't you can't judge it on the first five minutes but i go under the idea that the programmers might just watch the first five minutes so we try to do a setup that is engaging and fair yeah. but gives you a a deep sense of what the topic you're going to explore is yeah and yeah these these characters are very your your subjects are very intense people like they're they have this kind of like I was just reading a book about um Malcolm Gladwell's book about uh body language, funny enough. And so people have this perception of of like they can they can perceive what someone's like or someone's lying through their which is BS, right? It's been proven it's BS. And and basically because it's there's so many cultural understandings and like what you know what I'm trying to say. It's like sure. the, your subjects have this intensity to them where like you don't you can't even read, you don't even like even if you are an amateur uh, reader of who they who they are, you can't because there's like you know what I'm trying to say. There's that there, there's yeah. that aspect of their culture of who they are, what they've gone through, and like they're scary. There's sometimes they're scary what they're saying. You know, Absolutely. does that make sense to you? Well, it makes total sense to me. I think it comes off clearly on screen that this wasn't a rehearsed interview. Yeah. That this wasn't a contrived interview. That this was very much as through the heart you know, deeply, uh, you know, living through telling type of testimonies and interviews where people were very vulnerable in sharing uh, what they experienced. And I, and I think our, this, the secondary, uh, you know, participants in terms of analysis and content they provide, the specialists also, you know, come off very strong where these are tough topics and people speak to, in, in ways that are very clear and understandable and accessible. Well, let's talk about that. So let's talk about the your the, the your expertise or your your other subjects. Uh, how did you find them uh, to to do the interviews? Like, where did, was that a, like a long process to get some of your subjects? Yeah, I mean, it was a long process, but it was a process of trying to figure it out. And you know, sadly, there's not that many people touching this these subjects and talking about it publicly and being willing to stick their neck out in terms of the academic work they're doing or the uh, institutional work they're doing with not for profits uh, organizations. There's very few organizations being critical of the RCMP and CSIS, the secret police in Canada, uh, that exists. So. It was easy to start with the two organizations that do it and say, who would you recommend? So it was a lot of who would you recommend or do you know people who could speak on these subjects and and going around? And so each person that I interviewed would also get asked, well, do you have any suggestions or do you know other people that would make sense? And then there was clearly certain points of view I wanted to include. It was essential to have someone who can bring the context from an anti-colonialist uh, perspective from an Indigenous perspective of how national security has played out with Indigenous people in this country. Uh, and it made sense to have Pam Palmarder participate. Uh, same thing with bringing a, a critical look of 
uh, how the use of Islamophobia is is used around national security. So it made sense to have Aziza Kanji uh, participate. So, you know, I knew that there was certain analysis that had to be part of the film for it to make sense. And there weren't that many people. It was a very short list to begin with on who could fill those roles. So how was your process uh, in terms of your uh, your staging? You kind of used the, kind of the same kind of uh, background for each uh, person. I'm sure that was a that was a budgetary uh, thing as well. Yeah. In full candor, but be, but at the same time, where did how long did you have them for? Did they because get some really insightful comments? I'm sure you didn't even use all of it. Oh, of I'm sure you only use ten percent of it. Meaning yeah. that, how did you? How, what's your what's your interview process with them? How do you get them comfortable? How do you kind of? I'm sure you have the set of questions and agenda, but then it goes in different directions, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's being mindful that pe busy people have busy lives, and I can't do a three hour interview with them, and I'm lucky to get an hour of their time, and so there was a lot of ensuring that okay. I can get what I need in five or six questions. I need to know exactly what I'm going for in terms of content and what they can respond to, right? Um, and this is where, as a director, I think it's really always important to, to do more and more paper edit and to be able to kind of plan with how, how is the story going to unflow? Or what is the content you need to have people speak to uh, instead of just hoping that you're going to get it? Uh, so I, I have a producer friend who likes to say, fix it in prep. And I think there, yeah. there's there's a lot of wisdom in that and knowing exactly, you know, scripting out and uh, having a, a clear sense of what people should be able to respond to. You're not going to know word for word, but you're going to have a pretty good idea if you're doing your research well. Yeah. And, you know, because you know where you're going, I guess. It's like That's you, have, it. you have to know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, then you're, you're in trouble, I guess. Right. Exactly. How did you get this, the footage in the cars? You got all like the car kind of footage. Where yeah. did that come so that's from? That's all undercover footage that the RCMP and CSIS filmed during their operation. And because it was presented in court uh, during the gotcha. trial, as long as we followed the same uh, publicity ban and usage that was during the court process, we, we are allowed to publish it. Yeah. So there's there's still democracy in Canada then, basically, like... Like basically something goes to court, it is it is public record, so you can use it. There's, so there is democracy still taking place, I guess, right? And Anna Cordy at the end says, hey, look, at the end of the day, the justice you know system did work. Yeah. They were released through entrapment, but they were detained for over three years in prison because of being entrapped in the first place. They had to go through the whole trial process after being found guilty for entrapment to be used, right? So yes, it works. But, you know, how many people might be entrapped and don't have the backing of having wealthy family members who will stand behind them, who will front the bill on many years of court cases, like yeah. court proceedings to get to that place? And I think the police were really expecting them to say, well, these are two poor people who are very marginalized, who they're just going to be forgotten of and thrown in jail. Yeah, I think that's why they were targeted. Of course, so, they were. That's why they were targeted. That's so like that's that. The thing. We have democracy, but how many people are falling through the cracks and going to jail for crimes that they were entrapped under that we'll never know about because the evidence never came out in an entrapment case. Yeah. So if the evidence didn't come out in the actual trial. It was through the use of entrapment, right? Yeah. No, but it, but that's 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 the the, the unfortunate part because for every one of these this couple, there's probably like twenty other couples that 
you know, that they, yeah. We don't have access to that information. We don't even know where the goalposts are in this game that we're playing. Yeah. And one of the interview subjects that uh, one of the, your experts kind of said, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he kind of basically said that the, 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 the RCMP breaks the law in order to basically get to, to get other people who have broken the law in prison, I guess. Right. Which is like, what? <laughs> like It's yeah. sort of like, it's almost like Homeland in a sense. It's like, it's right. like a TV show where like yeah. you're seeing these characters, like we're going to do whatever it takes to get down these terrorists. Right. That's it. So, yeah. That they constructed that weren't ter- terrorists where you're like, isn't it, wouldn't it be more useful to spend billions of dollars in actually healing our communities rather than fracturing and destroying them? Yeah. But then, but then we're, 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 we're humans. We're conditioned to, to always be in war. We're, we're like, it's part of our conditioning. You're talking from a utopia standpoint. That's just not from a, this is not us humans. Humans don't do that. We fight. We, we, we go to battle. We, we go on our, on our animal instincts. Right. So. I don't think there's one monolithic idea of what is human. I think we've seen from anthropological, uh, sociological standpoints throughout history that given different nature nurture conditions, people can come out very differently, whether it be in raised in a matriarchal society or a patriarchal society, one built on cooperation or one built on competition, that this notion of human nature is very um, malleable based on the conditions that we're raised in. And I think if we, actually use our resources to support and nurture each other, we'll have a much saner society in general. But putting people in cages and depriving people and forcing us all into this, you know, uh, very destructive wage-based system, uh, another form of slavery is definitely creating, um, you know, a a very sick society. (laughs) Well, I'll rephrase manufacturing an enemy kind of builds the base and basically puts people in comfort positions. What you're describing is a lot harder than manufacturing an enemy. So it's easier to do what they're doing from than than what you're describing, even though you're what you're describing is obviously the better way, I guess, right? 100%. And I think it's, we, we can always change collectively, which course we, we are, which direction of the course we're going in. Uh, and it just takes the will of the people uh, to, to stand up. And I think right now, with the biggest crisis we're all facing, which is climate crisis, you know, we're running out of time to, to change the direction, but we definitely need to. And I think the national security crisis uh, that we face goes hand in hand with the climate crisis. And that's definitely the overarching thesis that the film puts out. I wonder what what's what's going to be more better funded, <laughs> the national security crisis or the, or the global warming uh, crisis? I have a feeling the national security crisis will get a lot more funding than 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 the than the, than the environment. Right. So. Which is I, the unfortunate part. I, I, I sadly have to agree, but I think this is the warning that we see through the thesis of manufacturing the threat that, you know, with with the continuation of the climate crisis and the urgency and of the situation, we're going to see the the state choose to prioritize furthering more destruction and therefore national security issues will be raised because of it. It, it, It's going to be a snake that, you know, eats its own tail dynamic. So we, we send the audience to you in the audience feedback video. What did you think what they had to say about your film? I thought it was fantastic. And I was really touched that so many people from different parts of the world uh, appreciated the film. So they got, they got what you're trying to say, basically. 
Yeah, it seemed like it. That was my impression. <laughs> no, hundred percent. It's a great film. Like I said, you, it just. But I, I, I think your job now is that you're, you're, you guys said Al Jazeera bought bought it just to get it out there as much as possible. Make sure people get to see it. That's sort of your agenda for this film. It's like more than financial. You just want people, as many people to see this film as possible, I'm assuming. Yeah, and we're hoping that in, you know, after the cinema and theatrical release that we're going to do video on demand. So anyone from any part of the world who might be listening to this, who is interested, you know, there is, you know, they, you, they could check it out through the website, Manufacturing the Threat, and they could stay abreast and see, you know, different ways that they'll be able to watch the film. Gotcha. So fantastic film. I'm sure, I'm, I'm assuming you're doing other things. You're a fantastic documentarian. It was great talking to you. I know you have a, according to this podcast, I was told that you have a birthday coming up. So happy uh, early birthday. So Wow, thank you so much. That's so incredible that uh, that you knew that. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and your interest in the film. And I'm I'm very touched by the the kind words of support around the film. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, 100%. And wish you the ultimate best of success with the film. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hassan Incorporated.